Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your loving kindness towards us. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, revive us, and Father, help us to see clearly what you would have us to see this morning. We thank you for sending your Son to die for us. And now, Lord, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross. May these words be your words, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The name of my uh, message this morning is entitled, Without Hand. Without Hand. And uh, what I want to do, if we were to put that in outside of biblical terms, uh, we would say, no hand, or no hands, no hands. Have you heard that term before, no hands? Yeah, you, you know, little kids learn to ride their bikes and... What do they say? Look, Ma, no hands. <laughs> no hands. What, what does that mean? What, what is that child trying to say? It's, it's what? It's easy. It's so easy, I'm doing it without, without hands. Or, you know, someone might say, uh, I can beat you hands down. What are, they, what are they saying? You're so easy to beat that I could do it with my hands out, with my hands tied behind my back. And that's the meaning that we would get as we think about it in today's context. But what I want to do is I want to look at that term without hand from the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about this term without hand. So I want you to open with me to the book of Job 34. We're going to take a quick Look at the places in which this, this interesting term is used. Job 34, and we're going to look at verse 20. Job 34 and verse 20. Job, J-O-B 34 verse 20. The Bible says, speaking of the wicked in a moment shall they die and the people shall be troubled at midnight and pass away and the mighty shall be taken away how without hand what does that term mean here in this context without hand the wicked will be taken away the mighty will be taken away without hand you can respond to me. What do you think it might mean? Without hand. God will do it. It's another way that we could, we could say that. Without what? Without human intervention. I wonder if you looked at my paper that I have up here. No? Without, that's good. I like that. Without human intervention. And that's what, what, what the term really means. God is going to do it and he's going to do it how? Without human intervention. I want to show you again. Let's go to the book of Daniel. 
Daniel chapter 2. And uh, if you're thinking with me, in Daniel 2 we are told, I believe it's verse 34. Daniel is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. What does the term signify here? It is God that destroys this image and there is no human intervention involved in this process. In other words, this image is as good as destroyed. No human intervention can stop it. The stone is cut out without hands. It is a divine thing. Amen? Amen. I want you to notice again the book of Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 25. Speaking of the little horn power, the Bible says of the little horn power in verse 25, And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. What does that mean? God will do it, and there will be no human Intervention. No human hand is going to bring down this little horn power. It is going to be a divine work. God himself is going to do it. Let's reference that. Daniel 11. Daniel 11, speaking of this same little horn power in verse 45. The Bible says he shall plant the, he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his, he- to his end. How? According to Daniel 8.25, how is he going to come to his end? Without hand. But I want you to notice what Daniel 11 verse 45 says in in that same train of thought. It says rather, and none shall help him. In other words, no human help. Say that with me again. No human help. God will do it. There will be no human intervention. No human to help. Now, what, we're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to find this, this uh, 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 phrase used again in the story of Jesus' trial. Mark chapter 14. Mark the 14th chapter. And let's look at verse 58. Mark 14, verse 58. We'll start with verse 57. And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made how? Without hands. Without hands. That is, without what? Human intervention. Now, the Bible says that they bore false witness. But you know what? God is good because the Bible tells us that we can do nothing against the truth but what? For it. 
Remember when they said, you know what, it is better for one man to die that the whole nation perish not? And the high priest spoke that. And even in his uh, misguided uh, thinking, he was speaking prophecy. And so likewise, these false witnesses come up and they say something that Jesus did not say. But even in that, what I'm sharing with you this morning is that there is a powerful lesson in what they said. And actually a powerful truth, even though they didn't know they were speaking truth. So I want you to notice. When when they say here. He said, I will destroy this temple made with hands. I looked at that term with hands and and what it actually means is uh, manufactured. That is of human construction. Of human construction. Now, remember, what did they think Jesus was saying when Jesus actually said in John 2, 19, uh, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. What did they answer? This temple has been uh, 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 being constructed. It took it took how long? Forty six years. What do you mean you're going to destroy this temple, this human construction and rebuild it again in three days? But the Bible says that Jesus spoke of the temple of his what? Of his body. Of his body. Uh, let me ask you a question. Was Jesus' body um, made with hand or without hand? <laughs> his body, when he was here on earth, was that body with hand or without hand? With hand. Very good. Why? Because there was human intervention. Be it one, there was a human that played a role in this work. And so it's interesting that in a sense, yes, this, this temple, I remember, Jesus says, I am the what? The temple, the temple. So this temple that was made with hand, Jesus said, I would bring it back. How? Without hand. Question. When Jesus was resurrected, was that with hand or without hand? Without hand. No what? Human intervention. No human intervention. And beloved, this very truth is something that Jesus wants to perform with each and every one of us. Notice with me 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, or rather verse 1. The Bible says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with what? With hand eternal in the heavens. What is Paul saying here? He's saying we've got an earthly house and this earthly house was made what? With hand. That is human intervention. However, one day this earthly tabernacle will dissolve or be destroyed And God 
will grant us one that is made, how? Without hand. Now, how many of you are looking forward (laughs) to that temple made without hand? (laughs) The same is true, however, in a spiritual sense. Because Jesus, the Bible tells us now, know ye not that ye are the what? Temple. Supposed to be the temple of of God. Now, Now, we are all temples. In fact, those people out there in the world who don't know Jesus, they too are temples. You, before you became a Christian, you were still a temple. Now, all of us as earthly temples, we were made with hand. What does that mean? We have a mother and a father, and they constructed us. And in that construction, they passed on some things. Inherited tendencies to sin. Along the way, we picked up some things in that structure that we will call what? Cultivated. And so, beloved, the promise of Jesus for us even now is, hey, I will destroy. I will destroy that temple made with hands and give you one made how? Without hands. In other words, one that has been constructed by the Holy Spirit, one that is without hand. I hope you're thinking with me this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.18, the Bible tells us, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature or creation. He wants to make us anew. Now, now here is the the critical verse we're going to look at this morning. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And I want you to notice verses 9 and onward. Colossians 2, beginning with verse 9. For in him, that is Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which which is the head of all principality and power. In whom... Also, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made how? Without hands. Now, let me ask you a question. What does it mean in the spiritual context, circumcision? What does that mean? It means you have a new what? A new heart. It means that you have been converted. It means that you have been born again. It means that you are now walking in the newness of the spirit. It means that you are now living a godly life. Amen? Amen. But beloved, the Bible tells us that this circumcision must be made. I don't know if you're ready for this. (laughs) Must be made. How? Without hand. That is without hand. Human intervention. You mean to tell me 
that this work is God's work? You mean to tell me that this thing, this 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 talk about righteousness and and overcoming is God's work outside of human intervention? Righteousness is hands down. I don't know if you caught that. (laughs) Hands down. Righteousness is a hands down event. God says, don't touch it. it. It is my work. It is a work that is done without human intervention. Now, don't get me wrong here, because as human beings, we have a part to play. I just want to say that up front so that for those of you who are getting nervous, you can relax. <laughs> you have something to do, okay? But we're going to talk about what that thing is that we have to do, because it may not be what you think it is. So God tells us here that this work, in fact, if we look at Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, notice what is said here. For we are the circumcision, which, now what circumcision is he talking about? The circumcision made what? Without what? Without it. We are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Those who are of the circumcision made without hands understand that righteousness is a hands-down thing. No confidence in the flesh. In whose flesh? In their flesh. In our flesh. Notice with me again the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians the second chapter. And I want you to notice this powerful, powerful verse. Ephesians 2 verse 10. The Bible says here, when you get there, say amen. Amen. The Bible says there, for we are his, whose? Who is his? God's. We are his, what? Workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We are whose workmanship? His workmanship. What does it mean to be somebody's workmanship? Have any of you ever created something? Made something with your hands? Yeah? Hmm? That was what? Your workmanship. Do we have any artists in here? Any artists? Okay. As an artist, you may be drawing... Do you ever look down at that paper and say, now, ink, I need you to help me out here. Here's what I want you to do. Don't raise your hand if you do that. (laughs) Or if you're building a house or whatever it is that you're building, you don't ask the thing that you're building, this is what you need to think. You just what? You build it. Now, I know it's an inanimate object, and you say, but Pastor, we're human beings, we have freedom of choice. We're going to talk about that. 
But the Bible says here that we are his workmanship, which must mean that God is the one in control of the work of righteousness in our lives. It's his work. Now, here's something interesting. The the word for uh, workmanship. Where are we here? Verse 10. I'm not going to pronounce the Greek of that, but I'll give you the definition. It is a product that is fabric. The word workmanship means fabric in this particular context. Fabric. Fabric. Now, now here's something that, that's, that's just absolutely amazing. Listen, listen to this quote from Christ's Object Lessons, page 311. Only the covering which Christ himself has provided can make us meet to appear in God's presence. This covering, the robe of his own righteousness, Christ will put upon every repenting, believing soul. I counsel thee, he says, to buy of me. You know, she quote, gold tried in the fire. But then she focuses on white raiment. That thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Revelation 3.18. This robe, woven in the loom of heaven, has in it not one thread of human devising. Oh, I just get excited by myself up here. Christ in his humanity wrought out a perfect character and this character he offers to impart to us. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. Everything we, everything that we of ourselves can do is defiled by sin. Everything that we of ourselves can what? Do. What does do signify? Action. Work. All of our work, all of our work is filthy and therefore cannot be acceptable by God. That's why he says, you are my workmanship. You're my fabric. And there is to be no human intervention in that fabric. Nothing. Nothing, Lord. Nothing. But but what about nothing? Hands down, righteousness is hands down. What is righteousness made up of? That robe of righteousness, it's made up of two things. The process of righteousness, what is it? Two words, come on, you know those words. Justification and what? Sanctification. Justification is the declaration of being right. And sanctification is what? It is the process. It is right doing. Isn't that correct? Isn't that correct? Sanctification is the action of righteousness. Justification is the declaration of righteousness. Right? That robe. I don't know if you're ready for this. That robe is made up of justification and sanctification. 
wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Justification is God's work. Sanctification is our work. No, 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 yeah, 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 no, 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 yeah. God does the justifying way. Now he winds us up and says, okay, now go, go get him. Go on, go at it. Wow. Wow. Huh. Hmm. I want you to notice Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, the Bible says here, we're going to go through three verses very rapidly. Ephesians, then we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 5, and then we're going to go to the book of Hebrews. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, the Bible says here, let's look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might what? Sanctify. Pause. Whose job is it? To sanctify. It is Christ's work. He is the one that not only justifies, that is declares us righteous, but he is the one that sanctifies. That is, he is the one that, that, that does the righteous works. He is the one. Notice again with me in, in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. The Bible says here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And the very God of peace, do what? Sanctify you holy. Who is the one that sanctifies? It is God. He is the one that... Do we sanctify? He is the one... That sanctifies us. Notice again Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12. Hebrews 13 and verse 12. The Bible tells us there. Wherefore Jesus also. That he might what? Sanctify the people. With his own blood suffered without the gate. Sanctification we are told. Is the work is not the work of a moment, an hour, or a day, but of a what? Lifetime. But whose lifetime work is it? It is God's work that he does over your lifetime. It is his work. So now, do we have a work? Do we have something to do? Yeah. We do. Let me read this. Christ's Object Lessons, page 311. But the Son of God was manifested to to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Sin is defined to be the transgression of the law. But Christ was obedient to every requirement of the law. He said of Himself, I delight to do Thy will, O God, yea, Thy law is written within my heart. When on earth he said to his disciples, I have kept my father's commandments. By his perfect obedience, he made it possible for every human being to obey God's commandments. When we submit ourselves to Christ, the heart is united with his heart. The will is merged in his will. The mind becomes one with his mind. The thoughts are brought into captivity to him. We live his life. 
This is what it means to be clothed with the garments of righteousness, of his righteousness. Then as the Lord looks upon us, he sees not the fig leaf garment, not the nakedness of deformity of sin, but his own robe of righteousness, which is perfect obedience to the law of Jehovah. How, do, how is it that Christ both justifies and sanctifies us without hand? Well, let me take you to a very familiar verse, Isaiah 64. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8. Isaiah 64 and verse 8, the Bible tells us there, But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the what? Clay and thou our potter. We are all the work of whose hand? Of thine hand. When God tells us that we are his workmanship, he's saying, look, you're the clay. You're the what? You're the clay. And I am the potter. I am the one that shapes your actions. I don't know if you caught that. I am the one who shapes everything about you. So when you do something that is good, it is not you that, that is doing it. It is God who shaped you to do it. Okay, let me, let me, let me go a little bit further with this so you could really grasp this. Hebrews 9 and verse 11 tells us this. That God dwells or Jesus dwells in a temple in heaven not made with what? With hands. And Acts chapter 7 verse 48 and Acts 17 verse 24 both tell us that God does not dwell in temples made with what? Hands. Do you know what that means? If you are attempting to construct your own temple, God does not dwell in temples made with hands. Why? Because somebody else will get the glory. This was a coward. No, God dwells in temples made without hand. And so he says to you, son, daughter, if you're attempting to build your temple or help me build your temple, I can't dwell in that. Hands off. Hands down. It must be a hands down work. Now, let me take you to the book of Ezekiel 28 to Lucifer. Ezekiel 28. And I want you to notice some things about this angel Lucifer and what happened with him in heaven. Ezekiel 28. We're going to begin with verse 13. You know the verse, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was thy covering. Jump all the way down to the latter part of that verse. The workmanship, the what? Workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in the day, in thee, in the day that thou was created. What is God saying here when he uses the word workmanship? What he was saying was, Lucifer, you were my creation. You were my work. Your goodness, your righteousness were all a part of my creating. I created you. I made you. I am the one that made you holy. I am the one that made you righteous. I am the one that sanctified you. You are my workmanship. And so, what do you think Lucifer did? I want you to jump down with me to verse 16. By the multitude 
of thy merchandise. They have filled the midst of thee with violence. What is merchandise? Goods. Goods. Stuff. Lucifer was merchandising something in heaven. He was trafficking, it says in other places. He was trafficking something in heaven. What was he trafficking in heaven? He was trafficking lies. In particular, he was trafficking a concept. What was the concept that Lucifer was trafficking in heaven? Here it is. In Isaiah 14, Lucifer said, I will be like the Most High. What is the Most High like? The Most High is loving, merciful, kind, long-suffering. See, we look at that verse and say, yeah, he wanted to be eternal like God. No, beloved, you know, what he wanted to be, what he wanted to prove was that he in and of himself could be good, righteous, holy without God's help. Self-righteousness was what he was trafficking. And now notice what it says. Jump down with me to verse 18. Oh, let's look at verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy what? Wickedness? Beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy what? Brightness, thy splendor. He was looking at the goodness within himself. And now notice verse 18. Thou hast defiled thy, what everybody? Sanctuaries. (laughs) Lucifer defiled his sanctuaries by attempting to take the work of righteousness into his own hands. That's dangerous. It's a dangerous work. Now, let me ask you a question. You've heard this term, self-justification. Is that sin? Mm -hmm. Now, you have not heard this term, self Sanctification. Is that sin? Wow. They're both a part of the same robe. God is the one that must do the work. The Bible says that there is none that doeth good. No, not what? Not one. And can you who are accustomed to doing good, I mean, doing evil, do good? No, no, not one, not one. Do you know that Abraham tried to give God a hand? (laughs) Do you know that? God made Abraham a promise and when Abraham saw in his mind that the promise was not going the way that he thought it should, he said, God, let me give you a hand. And and the hand that God tried to give Abraham, we're still dealing with that hand today. 
And what God was saying, Abraham, hands down. Hands down. Abraham, this is my work. What are you doing? Hands down. And so it's interesting that when Abraham finally has uh, uh, Isaac, that God now says to Abraham, Abraham, take Isaac, and I want you to take a knife in your hand. And the Bible actually says in, in Genesis 22, it is that Abraham stretched forth his hand. See, God had to deal with him there. Because he attempted to give God a hand. And how many of us have attempted to give God a hand? And have ended up messing it up. If you look at that jar, you see our fingerprints. (laughs) You know, it's like you're setting the thing up and you leave your kids and you say, kids, don't touch that jar. And they don't understand. You come back and you got the fingerprints all over. And then... What jar? Every time we touch the jar, God sees our fingerprints. He says, no hands. How many of you remember a guy by the name of Uzzah? Okay, are you ready for this? You've got to make sure you're ready for this. The Bible says that Uzzah was carrying the Ark of the Covenant. What's in the Ark of the Covenant? The law of God and the manna and the, okay, just, you know, got to cover myself there. Okay. And, uh, but we're focusing right now on the law of God. And, and, and the Bible says that the, 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 the cart in which the, the ark was, that the, the donkey which was on, the donkey shook and the, the ark began to fall over. And Uzzah put forth his hand. The Bible actually says Uzzah put forth his hand. And he touched the ark. And what happened? He died. Now, why did he die? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of our numbers that only the priests were to touch the holy things. Now, why was it that only the priests were to touch the holy things? Because the priests were a type of who to come? Of Christ. And only Christ could touch holy things and live. (laughs) Only Christ, because he is holy. That's who he is. Only he is righteous. Only he can stand before God. Only he can keep the law. Uzzah put forth his hand in an attempt to keep the law from being broken. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. How many of us in attempting and us' intentions were good? How many of us in attempting to keep the law of God from being broken stretch forth our hand? And God is saying to us, that's not the way that I want my law kept in you. You can't do it. It is my work. I'm not saying that you can't keep the law of God. I'm just saying it is his work. He is the one that accomplishes it. How do we put our hand in the mix? 
I want you to notice with me very quickly Isaiah chapter 2 verse 8. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 8. Isaiah, the second chapter, verse 8, we read there. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands that their own fingers have made. You know, many of us are like Nebuchadnezzar. God gave Nebuchadnezzar a, a, a picture of himself and his kingdom. It was a picture of a what? Of a man. And as you looked at that man, you saw that as time went on, man got what? Worse. The, the, the metals got less and less, you know, gold first, right? But then what? Silver. And then bronze. And then... <laughs> Iron, all the way down to what? To clay. The story of fallen man. We started off in righteousness, but ended up where God had to say, I got to make you clay and rebuild you. However, in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar is not happy with what he sees. So he builds an image made with hands. And then he says, bow down before this image. And beloved, I believe that many of us, because we don't like the image of who we are, we're attempting, good intentions, we're attempting to build an image, but it is we who are building the image. Look at me. Look how good I am. Look at all the wonderful things that I'm doing. And we're building an image. But God is going to destroy that image. One way or the other. Until we realize that it is God's work and not whose. Not ours. Notice with me again Isaiah chapter 29 verse 16. Isaiah 29 verse 16. And I want you to see what the Bible says here. Isaiah 29, 16. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he has no understanding? God says, look, I'm the potter. You're the what? You're the clay. Do you know how clay, how how pottery is made? How is pottery made? You know, how is pottery hardened? Let me ask you that. Fire. It must go through a firing process. So listen, beloved. This is beautiful. That's why the Bible says, beloved, think it not strange. Oh, man. God is trying to harden you. All right, let me give you a practical example. Uh, So here you are face to face with some temptation. Who is about to work the work of righteousness? Who? It is Christ. Christ is going to shape your lips to say no. Okay? 
Now, the temptation comes and the purpose of the temptation is to solidify in your character the ability to say no. But as the fire is coming, you rebel against the potter and take the work into your own hands and say yes. The fire comes and you become hardened in what? In sin. (laughs) Now think about that. God didn't ask you to do work. He just said, I'm going to do the work. All I want you to do is be clay. Just obey. What what does a clay do? It It yields to the touch of the potter. That's all clay does. That's the whole work of clay. It just yields to the touch of the potter. That is your work. Righteousness, hands down. Yield to the work. So in every temptation, in every trial, Christ is right there forming and shaping what he wants you to do. And the the freedom of choice comes in when you say, Lord, I choose to, to, hands down, I'm just going to, you go ahead. No. (laughs) No. Now, when you said no, that wasn't your work. That was God working in you and through you. You didn't do anything. Did you? You, the clay, didn't do anything. God did it through you. All the clay did was be clay and obey, yield to the will of the potter. But it's when the clay stands up against the potter and, 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 and <laughs> does something, moves in a certain way where he's not, you know, God wants you to, you know, you ever ask someone to take a picture and you go, okay, stay still now, I'm going to take a picture. And soon as it take, you, you're about to push the button and a fly comes in the way and, they, and here's the picture You know, that's what... That was, I hope that nobody caught that on picture. Okay. Can somebody help me with this? All right, I'm just putting it in my pocket. That is exactly the work. That is exactly what God does with us when he tries, when he's going through this creative process, this pottery process. He says, freeze, don't move right there. Hold that no... And what do we do? <laughs> like rebellious clay, we say, I'm going to rise up against the potter. You see, justification and sanctification is his work. All he says is freeze. And beloved, as we freeze in those right places that he has said, pause right there, put your hand up, stay right there. Okay, now I want you to turn. Right there. What's happening is we are becoming hardened in righteousness. Yeah, no. Did you like that? Hardened in righteousness. And, and now I'm going to give you, I'm going to fast forward you a little bit to the end of my message. I want you to think about the sealing of God. Right? What does Ellen White say this? It's a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, 
You see, beloved, it's a... You know, in, in Jeremiah 18, when it says, you know, the, the, pot, the clay was marred in the potter's hand, and so he had to break it and, you know, do it over again. Beloved, that's what God is doing with us now. Praise God, when we pause in one of those embarrassing positions, God just says, okay, we got to break it down, and he breaks you down. Because I, I, I got to get you perfect. I've got to make you right. So I don't know how many times we're going to go through this, but we've got to go through it. And only as the clay rebels, God is eventually going to have to throw away that clay. The stone that is cut out without hands smites the image where? On the feet of clay because that clay is mingled with iron. Mold me, make me, Lord, but not there. See? The clan I represent a kingdom of people who profess to serve God but are unmoldable by the potter. When Eve was in the garden, how did she get the fruit? She put forth her hand. We can imagine perhaps Satan saying to her, Eve, why don't you take your future into your own hands? That was, you will be like God. You can shape your own future, shape your own destiny. It was the putting forth of the hand. Every time we put forth our own hand, it leads to what? It leads to sin. So God put Adam and Eve out the garden and know, you know what he says in Genesis 3.22. Now behold, the man has become as one of us and now lest he put forth his hand and take of the tree of life. Why did God stop him and put him out of the garden for that very reason? To show mankind that the way to eternal life could not be gained by him putting forth his hand. This is a work that I'm going to have to accomplish. You can't accomplish it, Adam. You can't be sanctified and justified by putting forth your hand. All I'm going to ask you to do is become what? Clay. That is your work. Because in Deuteronomy 8, verses 14 through 17, you know, the Bible tells us there when Moses was warning Israel, be careful Lest when God has done all these things for you, you turn around and say, my own hand has gotten me this wealth. Be careful. God says the work must be a work without hands. And so how does he do that? When God wills something, how does God shape us? He shapes us by his will and by his word. So it's his will for me not to go that place. He simply says, okay, and his will comes down and like like hands, his will begins to shape my will. And if I am rightly clay, all I'm doing is living out his will. That's it. He is the one that is doing the work. You know, when Jesus was here on earth as a man, he said, if you don't believe me, believe me for the works that I do. And then he said, those works 
are the works of who? My father. Even Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus said, I'm going to go down, the, go down the earth and become clay. So that means that every good thing that I do, I have to give glory to the father. He says, it is the father that doeth the work in me. So if that's true, beloved, then Jesus did nothing of himself. Didn't he say that? He's, I think he said that. So if he did nothing of himself, he's simply saying, look, this is the way to righteousness. Hands down. Jesus was, righteousness was hands down for Jesus. Hands down. Look, Father. No hands. No hands. That's a hard thing for, for, for us to grasp, beloved. Because we are used to putting our hands in the mix. No hands. Isn't that cheap grace? No. No, 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 no. You trust me. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Try it and see if it's cheap. Okay. I'm closing with these final thoughts. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 and verse 11. We need to bring this down to the last days. Romans 4 verse 11. The Bible says here, And he, that is Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith. What was circumcision? A seal. A seal. Do you realize... That those who are sealed in the last days will be sealed because they learned how to put their hands down. They received that circumcision without what everyone? Without hands. And thus they received the seal. And I'm not saying circumcision is a seal. We know the Sabbath is a seal, but the Sabbath is a sign of something. You think about it with me. What is the Sabbath a sign of? <laughs> Let me show you what the Sabbath is a sign of. Ezekiel 20. <laughs> oh, man, the word of God is beautiful. Ezekiel 20, verse 12. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that what? Sanctify them. Wow. Wow. Who is it that will be sealed in the last days? Those who realize that justification and sanctification is God's work. We're just clay. We're just clay. And so now the Sabbath becomes to us this sign that it is God's work. Listen, when God created the world, after every day, or at some point in that day, it, the Bible says, he would say, let there be grass. And then the Bible say, and it was so. Now, you're not going to believe this. I looked up that word so just this morning. You know what the word means? It means to set up right. Just. <laughs> to be rightly so. And the word amen carries the same meaning, which is faithfulness or to be so. 
You don't even say amen. What you're saying, let it what? Let it be so. Amen. It means faithfulness. Let it be so. So every time God said something, the world was just, it was so. The world did nothing to help God out in its creation, did it? And God says, when I create you, you are a new creation. You are my creation. In the same way, those who are sealed are those who have learned to become clay. No. And I'm not saying that they are robots. I'm simply saying that they simply respond to, they are responsive to the will of God and to the word of God. It's not their work, it's God's work. So when that seventh day came around, God sealed it because he said, yeah, it's good. It's good. It is just, it is so, it is amen. Are you amen? Do you live an amen life? God says, don't look, amen. God says, don't go there, amen. You know, is that, hands down, amen. All you, righteousness is summed up in the word amen. Because you can't come up with the idea, it is God's ideas. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. So you just say amen. That's what clay, amen. God allows clay to talk. That's what you can do, talk. He just says, just respond, talk. All I want you to do is say, and when I say something, you say amen. Because I've given you freedom of choice, so I cannot override your will, and I will not do that. There must be cooperation, but the cooperation is, you're not doing any work. Amen. 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 That's it. And so that's why the seal of God is not given in the hand. Where is the mark of the beast received? In the forehead or in the hand? Why? Because they trusted in their own works. And by the way, you know, Sunday is something that was molded by man. Not by God. They trusted in their own righteousness. They said, no, God, we think this is more righteous. We think that we can do this this way. We can be righteous without following your law. We can be righteous without following what you say. We can be righteous without amen. The righteous realize were the seal of God received in their hand, they would have something to glory about because they played a part. So, hands down, <laughs> Hebrews 4.10, let me give you two more verses, you don't even need to turn there, Hebrews 4.10, you can write it down, the Bible tells us there that he that has entered into rest has ceased from his own works, even as God ceased from his. The seal of God simply says, I cease from my own works. <clears throat> now it's God that is working in me. He is the one that is doing the work. And all I do is say, Amen. I'm just praising God. So when he says it, I say, praise God. Did you see the righteous thing he just did through me? Amen. <laughs> it's like you're watching a football game and they score. You go, Amen. You are, you are a fan. 
We're to be fans of God, beloved. We watch him work through us. We say amen. We say amen because it is he that did the work. All we had to do was yield to the touch of the potter. And so Hebrews 11, 25, 12, 25 tells us, do not resist him. That speaks. Don't resist. That's all he asks us to do. Don't resist. Isn't that easy? Don't resist. That's your work. Don't resist. Don't resist. Here's my appeal. This morning, you realize that your fingerprints are all over the jar. And you're saying, Lord, I want to become a man. I want to become a man. Raise your hand. I want to become a man. I want to become a man. And now I want to make another appeal. You can put your hands down. And this is a very specific appeal. And there may be nobody in here for this. You know, but listen, you have not given your life fully to Christ. You're sitting on the fence. I'm going to ask you to come down to the front. As I know that's embarrassing, but you know what? Stand for God because he stands for us. Amen. And so you may be, you may have been sitting on the fence and you, you know that you have not given yourself fully to God because you want to be in control. You have been lifting your hand against the potter and saying, no, Lord, I don't like that plan. My will be done, not thine. And this morning you want to say, Lord, I give it all to you. I lay it all in your hands. Would you stand and come? Come now. You mold me, Lord. You do the work. You do the work. I want to make one more appeal for those of you who are coming up and you could raise your hand. You're already up here. I know that there was an appeal made for baptism a couple of days ago and maybe some of you were struggling and didn't want to make the decision. And I just want to follow up on that. If there's no one here, that's fine. But if there's someone who over the course of all the meetings you've heard have said, you know what? Yeah, I need to be baptized or re-baptized. And you're standing here or you're sitting in there. Would you raise your hand? I know some, somebody, I don't know who needs to get a hold of these. Just raise your hand real, real high. Who are we going to get to see these people here? Okay. Keep your hands up so they can make note of you. I want to ask as their hands remain up, I'm going to ask the rest of us to bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have taken this plan into your own hands. We thank you, Lord, because anything we touch as humans, we mess up. And so, Lord, you have said, this work is my work. That is why all the glory and honor and praise will go to you. Because the work was done without hands. None of us will be able to take the glory for the powerful things you will do in our lives. Father, teach us to yield. Teach us 
that our greatest battle is to put our hands down and allow you to have your way with us. You have said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. You are the magnet. The only way we cannot be drawn unto you is if we resist. Help us, Lord, not to resist, but to be molded and settled in the truth, mentally and spiritually. And Father, we thank you for what you have done here this morning. We thank you for what you have done here this weekend. Please, Lord, mold us, for you are the potter and we are the clay. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.